This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now. Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Of course, we talk all things USC Trojan football. We are uh, coming off a really fun show last week. We got uh, Jen Cohen, USC athletic director, to come on the show. She talked with uh, RJ Abadia, myself, and the man next to me, Connor Triple Double Morissette. We are coming at you live on our YouTube channel at Inside Troy. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks very much. We'll try to put your comments and stuff up on the screen. And if you're listening across the Parastyle Podcast platforms, you can listen to us anywhere. You can get a podcast. We appreciate that. And uh, thank you for doing it, but welcome in, uh, Connor. How you doing, man? Doing well. That interview with Jen was awesome. I'm still so happy she came in, and it seems like she's going to be very transparent with us, which is great. And I know, I think some people maybe were looking for more definitive answers on some stuff, but if you read between the lines with a lot of what she said, I think it was certainly worthwhile. And if you've been following a lot of the stuff, uh, specifically with NIL, excuse me, I thought even though she was vague at times, she did help to clarify some things. So I was really happy she came in. It was great. I mean, the first time we, well, we've had athletic directors on before, but not uh, in studio. So it was really cool that she took the time to uh, come in and uh, join us. So if you haven't checked that out, I can put up, uh, if you're watching YouTube, there's a picture. We have the four of us 
uh, all in studio, and it was uh, definitely a lot of fun. We're going to talk about some of the stuff that uh, Jen Cohen said on uh, the podcast, and uh, and really today, I think focusing on um, you know NIL and where it's going. There's been some uh, legal developments, and this is like we said, it's an ever changing thing. So we're going to kind of talk about all that before we get into everything. I just want to let everyone know. If uh, you have any questions for the show, you can email us throughout the offseason, anytime you want, uh, podcast at uscfootball.com. Let us know which show, because we do a lot of shows here. Um, if it's a composite two-star recruits one, if it's for the uh, Mothership show, this one, whatever you want to call it, Harvey Hyde, whatever you want, um, let us know uh, on your email. And you can also call or text us at 424-254-9141. We have a voicemail following up on the uh, Jen Cohen interview, so we'll play that for you a little bit later on. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, we love... Uh, if you give us a follow over there at the Peristyle Podcast and leave us a five-star review and rating, those are always uh, very much appreciated. Um, I think the most – we got Eddie in Nevada sent a, a review in, and uh, he says it's for about the Composite Two-Star Recruits podcast. He says, this is the best USC podcast out there. Gerard and Chris provide great analysis and insight into all of the news and angles in the USC recruiting world. And luckily enough, we have uh, – Behind us, it's right here. You know, Chris Trevino is right here in studio, not on the show, but he's just you know basking in the glory of that latest uh, five star review. So how you doing, Chris? I'm good. I just had to make sure you weren't making that up. <laughs> I was not making it up. Yeah, you can see it right here. So I, I'll send it to you if you want to uh, use it in your show. So Chris and uh, Gerard are actually going to record whatever you listen to this. Chris and Gerard are going to record a podcast uh, Wednesday evening. We're doing this uh, live. Wednesday afternoon, so Chris and Gerard will be recording one Wednesday evening going up uh, Thursday morning. So if you're listening, it's probably in the feed already, and if not, yeah. Chris, do you want something to... Uh, Here, get... Before I go, before yeah. I go, just, just for old time's sake, how many degenerates are watching? Oh, how many degenerates? Let's see. Uh, watching live, we got, looks like 55 people watching live right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll build that degenerates. up. Chris, Chris likes to call the people that are listening degenerates because it's the middle of the day. You could be working, uh, but no. Thank you, uh, everyone who's tuning in live. And if you left a review, we, we appreciate that well. Do you want to thank our sponsor, uh, Trader Joe's? I've had, uh, my mom was in town, Connor. So we made uh, multiple trips over to Trader Joe's. And it's funny, we get um, people giving us recommendations of, oh, you got to try this. Uh, you should try this one. I love that. But we went in there. Um, I did a uh, fish fry sort of night, and uh, I made some homemade pasta. Yeah, stuff. I saw that on social media, the homemade pasta. That yeah. looked tricky, but was it worth it? It was very good. Yeah, yeah. But I got all my ingredients and stuff uh, from Trader Joe's. Uh, I mean, the pasta is crazy. Like, it's like flour, egg, a little bit of water. Like getting it out of the machine. salt. Yeah. I'd so screw you, that up. So I got a, a KitchenAid uh, mixing, mixer. And so, yeah, you can make the dough in that. There's like a dough hook, so it spins around. And once you get the dough, you have to let it you know, sit for a little while and you, you, and you kind of flatten it out some, make it to pieces. And then you, the, there's an attachment and you put it through the roller, flatten it, you fold it, keep flattening it until it comes out kind of cool. Then you thin it out. So there's like different settings of flattening. So you go two, three, four. And then once you got it, like a nice big long piece that's flat and even, then you put the cutter on and you run it through the cutter, and uh, then you got and it's great. It's uh, it's really cool. But anyway, got all. We went to Trader Joe's a bunch because we had oh I forgot this, forgot this. Got over there and pick up everything at Trader Joe's. So hopefully, 
you guys uh, can go check out Trader Joe's. Um, they've been great to us over the years, so we want to appreciate their sponsorship. And uh, yeah, I love I love I love going there. So it's really cool out there. There's one in Hermosa, like right near my house. You used to have to go all the way to Manhattan, which is a couple miles away. Now I can like walk, so it's pretty good. Oh, poor you living down here in Hermosa, <laughs> Manhattan. <laughs> I know it's just terrible. Um, yeah, I like walking, walking around different places and stuff. Okay, uh, well, we want to get to some different um, topics today, but really the main one is you know having to do with uh, name, image, and likeness. And if you saw, I think it broke this morning. Um, so there was the NIL world. We talked about this with Jen Cohen. There's not, uh, I mean, there was kind of these vague guidelines by the NCAA. And I think Ari Wasserman put it one way that I liked where there's like, there's a speed limit and you have some universities that are like, Hey, it's 55. I'm not going over 55. I would probably put USC in that category. Like the letter of the law or the intent, we're going to follow this and go with it. And there's some universities that are maybe like speeding a little bit and they're like, ah, you know, well, there's some gray areas here. And, uh, you know, we'll go 65 or whatever. But And there's other universities that came out right from the get-go, and they're going 100 miles an hour, uh, NCAA rules, be you know, whatever. And we're starting to see the NCAA come out and uh, have, uh, you know, charges or whatever. You know, they're, try- they're, they're coming out with violations against some of these schools. And the latest one was Tennessee. Uh, well, the other one, Florida State got one, and uh, – Tennessee, I think Oregon is being investigated. So there's a few of those things kind of going on. But as soon as that happens, now the legal process, you know, the Austin case where the NCAA got just crushed by the Supreme Court nine to nothing, kind of set a precedent like, hey, all your NCAA rules, once you start paying players, like you can't have these rules in place. So they there was the you know the notice of allegations or whatever for the for Tennessee, the uh, the 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 chancellor of the University of Tennessee wrote this scathing letter to the NCAA about hey man we were trying to talk to you since December and you haven't you know you haven't returned our calls or we haven't met you know we and we're you know we're following the rules and blah 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 and it, there was a it was pretty damning but then the attorney general for the state of Tennessee and actually the state of Virginia have filed lawsuits against the NCAA. So Tennessee is saying we didn't, and, and the, the Tennessee violations are basically the Nico thing, right? Nico, um, however you say his last name, whatever. I am Aliva. Yeah, I am Aliva. Got like $8 million or whatever from Tennessee Collective, but it was like signed before he got to school. And so like for USC, USC will tell you, hey, once you get to school, we'll give you this deal. But they're not signing deals while they're in high school. And there are a lot, and you're seeing that in like Oregon and te- Texas A&M and a lot of places. And USC is one of those schools that's like, hey, we're not doing that until you get here. It's, it's considered an inducement. So Tennessee on one side is saying, we didn't induce him. The, the thing that, that he signed was for any school, the NAIL deal, didn't matter where he went, which is complete bogus, but whatever. So they're saying on one side, hey, we didn't uh, break any rules. But then they're also saying, Screw you! The rules are terrible. Like they're they're not they're not legal. And so the attorney general is suing them. The NCAA's uh, record in court is uh, really, 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 really bad. So I, I think these things come up, and they're trying to get some control over this. But I don't think there's any 
there's all these state laws that go against the NCAA rules and stuff. So it's kind of crazy. They file this lawsuit and there's like a date of February 6th. So it's like right before the you know, the next, the second signing period. Um, they want this injunction and all this stuff. So what does this mean for USC? They're basically trying to take that, like they're, they're trying to like dismantle the rule that USC's following like to the T where other schools are ignoring completely. And it's probably, is my opinion, it's probably good for USC if they kind of get rid of that rule because then USC could do the same thing. Like, hey, you could have an NAL contract when you're a prospect coming to school. Um, they're not doing that now and other schools are and that can be you know considered an advantage. So that's sort of my kind of assessment of the whole thing of what's going on now. What are, what are your thoughts on on that, Connor? Did I, what did I get wrong? And, no, no, I, I think the Oregon, I think it's a Title IX thing. So they're getting sued by their own female athletes versus the NCAA looking into them, I believe. Maybe the NCAA is looking into them too Okay, because it sounds like they are looking at a, a number of schools. It's just not public yet, but their thing is Title IX. No, I think you nailed it there. I've been critical of USC's NIL setup because they don't push the envelope enough. But I think what Tennessee did is just downright stupid, honestly. I think there's a middle ground. And with Tennessee, I saw someone wrote who writes for Saturday Down South about how Tennessee facilitated this NIL deal and was the middleman with a recruit, Nico, and the collective. And like, isn't that by definition pay for play, which has always not been allowed, which the second that Alston case came down, maybe it wasn't the second, but the next guidance, the NCAA came out and released in regards to NIL said pay for play is not allowed. I, I went up and looked at this or I looked it up. That is exactly what happened. So I think it's kind of interesting that Tennessee, their, their chancellor comes out and says, we haven't broken any rules when by definition, facilitating an NIL deal for a high school recruit is paid for play, which is not allowed. And they're relying on laws not being held up by the NCAA in court. They're relying on antitrust laws, state law, federal law, whatever it is to um, break this NCAA rule. But it's fascinating that they're saying we didn't break any rules when it's obvious they did. Their strategy is to say that these rules shouldn't be enforced, not that we didn't break any rules. I don't know why they're saying they didn't break any rules. They obviously did. Yeah, it's kind of funny where you're like, hey, we didn't break any rules, but all the way, by the way, your rules are terrible. And I get it. I mean, I've, the fact that, I don't know why Virginia got involved too, but um, this has happened before. A state, state attorney generals will come and sue the NCAA. Like, I, I feel like things are happening fast. This is like a weak deadline. Like, okay, what's going to happen now? Like, or, okay, we're going to get, like, every time that something comes up where they're getting sued over, Hey, players should be able to transfer if they want to. Anyone else can transfer. And then the NCAA, like, okay, people can transfer now. And they just sort of like, all right, you're you're threatening us with legal action. Fine, go do it. So now you can transfer not just one time, but multiple times. Like we've seen that sort of happen. If they come back and say, all right, well, it's not going to be considered. I mean, inducement is such a weird way to put it because it's like, is it an inducement that you're going to like show a player like the Heisman trophies, like when they're coming to visit campus, like, Hey, here's what, or even just telling them we can get you this kind of NIL deal or, Hey, we put this many guys in the NFL hall of fame, whatever it is. Like, aren't, isn't that all, all reasons why you would pick a school? And it just seems like kind of silly, but I feel like the main thing that needs to happen and it's, I think this will hopefully calm down some of the USC fan base that are really upset is that everyone knows what the real rule is. Like, 
there's, you know, there's some schools that are just doing it differently and you're interpreting the rules differently. So maybe this pushes things where, Hey, you can sign NIL deals as a high school player and then everyone can do it. Then it's not just like some of the bigger schools that have been pushing the collective thing very aggressively. So maybe it helps. I don't know, but I, I feel like this could be good for USC this case, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, just as it pertains to USC, like, I think, as I said earlier, there's a middle ground between like brazenly just going against these rules because you think they're bad rules like Tennessee did and sort of pushing the envelope in a smaller way like a Texas or Ohio State does as we see setting up some marketing agents to facilitate contracts where I asked Jen Cohen about that. She says, oh, that's not technically legal right now. It seems like maybe those schools will get in trouble with the NCAA in the future, but I think they're breaking some rules to a smaller degree. So it all sounds kind of weird, me saying I think you should break rules, but not in a major way like Tennessee does. But I do think there's a middle ground, and USC is being a lot more conservative than some of these other schools, and Tennessee is way on the other side of the spectrum, which I think is downright stupid. Like, this was always going to be the result. And if they win in court, then good for them. But that's a big risk, because if they don't win in court, then they're looking at some serious repercussions because they were already in a lot of trouble with the NCAA based on their old coach, uh, I think Jeremy Pruitt, who was giving guys bags of cash and they were fined, I think, like $8 million or something crazy like that. So this yeah. could be like something else if, if if they're not able to win in court. And then you look at Florida State, Ryan, I know we'll talk about that, but they there was like a smoking gun where a recruit, he's going to be a first or second round pick from Georgia. He was in the transfer portal. He took a visit to Florida State, the offensive coordinator, a member of a collective, and him met and he said, hey, I'll give you $15,000 a month if you come here. I don't know how the NCAA ended up finding out about that, but like that's another example for me of getting stupid with it. Don't have a recruit come on a visit, meet a coach, meet a uh, someone part of a collective, and discuss finances or uh, discuss finances like that. I think that's obviously not smart either. Them in Tennessee, I think they're taking it too far, but I do think there's a middle ground where you probably are breaking some rules, like an Oregon, like a Ohio State, like a Texas. They're not under investigation right now. I would like to see USC maybe do some things that they're doing, but hey, let's let the dust settle. And if all those schools end up getting hammered and USC is in a better position, I'll gladly admit I was wrong. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things. There are schools asking for uh, forgiveness and not permission. And there are schools that are going to yep. fight this as soon as these things came out. I mean, we're talking like 48 hours later. You have the state attorney general. The governor of Tennessee has got involved. Uh, obviously, the chancellor for Tennessee. Um, this stuff, is, it's just kind of, uh, you know, it's more wild, wild west stuff. But I feel like we're still in this sort of like purgatory area of when this is this going to, there's a logical conclusion where payments for players comes in house. Like right now, it's sort of like the separate thing. Oh, you have a collective. Well, what can the collective do? Like, do you think the collective's not talking to coaches and who they want to pay and all that kind of stuff? Oh, you can't do that. But I mean, how is this going to work otherwise? I feel like the more these things happen, lawsuits, whatever it is, uh, you're going to see more and more of a push to change. You know, we're changing this, the whole sport, you know, it changes all the time. The big, a big change will be going from, you know, collectives paying players to having the school pay players. And then I think that's, then things can be a little bit more uniform and stuff. And, and I, I don't know if it, we're getting there super quick, but this stuff, this definitely makes the timeline faster of getting somewhere like getting somewhere like that, where 
the schools themselves are now a part of it. And like for USC, I think we talked to Spencer about this, right? Like you probably just pull house of victory in house and keep it going. Um, and maybe it's easier for schools that we're doing in the more above board way to kind of transition that way, as opposed to the ones like if you were a, a you know, growing marijuana all over the place <laughs> in the, in the desert somewhere. And then all of a sudden you make it legal. It's like, so that like the home grower that was doing like a small amount in like a greenhouse, like they could probably expand that and where like you got these illegal farms somewhere that might be a little harder to sort of make that transition. I don't know if that's a great analogy, but um, yeah, I feel like maybe some of those schools that were always doing this under the table, no matter what before NIL, and then we're doing it again with collectives and NIL, it might be more difficult to become like legit. Like you're the moonshiner, you know, out in the, out in the Tennessee Hills somewhere. <laughs> and uh all of a sudden, like, okay, now we're going to, like, have a factory and, and make legit uh, liquor. So, I don't know. I do anticipate, like Jen Cohen alluded to, like Charlie Baker's talked about, having it go in-house. And maybe even Charlie Baker's big thing is creating, like, a separate subdivision for some of these top football programs and letting them yeah. do things differently but also setting up, like, a $30,000 trust per athlete at a school, which I think the whole point of that is to satisfy Title IX. I do think coming down the the track, t- Title IX is going to be a big problem because if it goes in-house, these public schools that get money from the government, obviously football, which is all men, makes the most money. And if your in-house NIL setup is paying football the most, how the heck is that going to be even t- with yeah. the women's sports? So I, I don't know how they end up solving that issue down the line. I'd like to talk to someone uh, who maybe understands it better than I do from a legal perspective, how how this will all work, because how it's been explained to me is the way to get around Title IX with some of this right now is to pay the same number of athletes just by like 30 women, 30 men. The men might be getting a lot more, but you can say, hey, we're paying each number of athletes, period, then that's even. But to me, like the next question is, well, how much are the men getting paid? How much are the women getting paid? I don't know how that stands up in court. And the way, like I said, it's been explained to me is that's how they would try to get around it in the future. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. My big fear, Ryan, which might be a good thing, but it also could be a bad thing. Eventually there's going to be a court case where these guys are, I think from a football or men's basketball perspective, ruled to be employees. And then that kind of throws a whole wrench into everything. The NCAA is obsolete and maybe these top schools would start their own governing body and players would collectively bargain and that like just opens a massive can of worms which could definitely in the short term be bad for college sports because i kind of like where they're at right now even though there are some injustices clearly i just don't know like what does that mean for the long-term health of of college football and and college basketball like things are kind of hanging by a thread right now and i do think players deserve to get a cut of the massive tv money that is involved in the sport but i'm nervous how they get there and I think like most people, I have a lot of questions about what that looks like, because even though I think players deserve more right now, if they get more, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. And I'm glad I'm not Charlie Baker. I'm glad I'm not a judge. I'm glad I'm not trying to solve this because it is messy. It's sticky. And I have no idea what the right answer is. Yeah. Uh, Clayton has an idea. He says, um, the, uh, the way to get around title nine is to grow more pot and sell moonshine. Very good. Uh, I agree hundred percent. We've solved it. I think kind of when it comes to like Title IX, I think you just have to take football out of it. There's no equivalent women's sport. Like you're not, it pays for everything. I feel like if you just said football's separate, you know, 
You have the same amount. And maybe of, that gets them out of it because I think Charlie Baker is not what he wants to do, separate football. I think so, yeah. I think that would probably be best. But um, but you're right. I mean, the the more you get pushed, pushed, and they become employees, there's the court case going on that USC and the Pac-12 yeah. is involved in <laughs> where they're trying to say, like, they're arguing that, you know, they're, they should be employees. And um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of pressures. I think it's just one of those things where the NCAA kind of – held on to this model. And there was a really funny South Park, if you remember. And Eric Cartman was like, pretended to be like a plantation owner. And he had, I mean, this is, it was pretty dark. Like, <laughs> do you remember that? Like it, they were Not playing really. crack baby basketball. So he was like going to the the Nick unit or whatever and getting the crack babies and playing basketball and filming it. And they were basically like college athletes. And they were like, we can't pay that. Like, so they were, he was making all this money off the crack baby Baby's playing basketball, and he was like, "We can't pay them." And he's like, "How can we get away with not paying them?" So he went to like the University of Colorado and asked the president. And he goes, "Student athletes." And he was speaking in like a Southern draw with his like suit on, like a plantation. He's like, "Student athletes, that's brilliant, sir." You know, it was just it was really kind of funny, just making fun of the NCAA and this antiquated model of uh, amateurism. You know, especially now that the contracts and stuff are so huge, but. For so long, I think the NCAA could have had control of this if they would have given a little along the way. But they were just hardlining and never pay, you know, all this stuff. And it took state laws, starting with California, to allow NIL to happen. And that went, I mean, that was like overnight. Like it was just more states kept coming out with them. And the NCAA was just like, all right, now we have to say NIL is okay. Here's three lines of of rules and like, go do it, you know. And that's that's kind of why we're in this mess to begin with. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. You've heard that like a million times. And so sort of that's what, you know, why we're here. If the NCAA had some foresight and said like, hey, this is the way things are going. We can't have these billion-dollar contracts going on and just say, well, you guys are amateurs. You're not allowed to get paid. Uh, oh, yeah, you can't you know, shoot a YouTube video and uh, because that you're a you know, lacrosse player for Syracuse, uh, you're not allowed to make money off of it. It's like that, that stuff was just... I don't know you're just holding on to that stuff for way too long, but now it's insane. And they, every time they go to court, they're going to lose. What you're talking about. And, and I think it was, it might've been the Yahoo sports podcast. They were talking about it. It's like, this can be a bipartisan thing because with the, the democratic side, they're more interested in like fair labor laws. And then with the Republican side, it's more like uh, free market stuff. So, like, they're both agreeing on a lot of these things that, um, you know, hey, th- those are unfair labor practices or, or you you have to let them make money. Uh, so I think both Democrats and Republicans can kind of agree on whenever something happens, like, you need to, like, they're on the player side more than the, in general, more than in the NCAA side. So it's kind of crazy right now. Well, look at the Alston ruling. The Supreme Court, divided as ever, can't get a unanimous opinion on a whole lot of political <laughs> matters nine nothing nine nothing for all like because it's such a slam you got dunk crushed if it's nine nothing like there's always the divide in the supreme court so i just don't know like say charlie baker's thing goes through and stuff is separated and the stuff with the educational trusts for all the athletes like $30,000 i need to do a better job explaining it but his whole proposal is separate football and make it like NIL in-house and just sort of separate than other sports and they can kind of govern how they want to govern for a lot of the bigger programs if they set up an educational 
trust worth thirty thousand dollars for every athlete at the school is, is is my understanding on it. And like like I said, I think that's to satisfy Title Nine, but I feel like that opens up a whole new can of worms, and it just seems like it's spiraling towards employee status, which opens up way more cans of worms than the previous cans of worms that I was alluding to. I just don't really know exactly what is like the best case scenario right now because there's so many unknowns. Yeah. Uh, up at up as Frag says, Ryan is right about Title IX of football. No equivalent uh, to both injuries as well as revenue. Uh, scholarship equity is one thing. Expecting pay equity when most or all women's sports are net operating losers is crazy. And that's true, but that's a problem right now that is ongoing. That is the big problem with Oregon, and that's going to be the big problem in the future. It's sort of where does that Title IX line end? Because the scholarship thing, yeah, you got to have equal amount of scholarships. That makes sense. But if you got to have equal amount of scholarships, even if it is a like a you know a free market in the United States, how come the scholarships have to be the same, but not how much these players are getting paid by their school? If if that makes sense, the market might say that football players can get paid more, but if it's you know an amateur setup inside a school, then I kind of feel like if the government is giving the school all this money, then I get why people would be saying you got to pay the same because it it has to be equal, which is what Title IX says. So I think that's sort of the the next wave of where things are going because Oregon it's just sort of starting that lawsuit, and I could see Title IX problems popping up all over the place. Even even at USC, I know there are Title IX concerns. So I, I definitely agree with what the commenter said, but I don't know if there's a precedent right now for NIL in, in Title IX, and I think we're going to get one soon, and that will obviously change things depending on what happens. Yeah. it's. Uh, I think the one thing, if this does go through, and you're going to, like, there's some football player making $250,000, and you have to, like, give the same amount. It's basically like double whatever you have to pay them. It's really going to cost you 500,000 because you're going to have to filter 250 to like women's sports too. The the answer might be what I said though, as long as everyone's getting paid the same number of right. men and women, just not the same. That's how it's been explained to me. Like I keep saying, but I don't know if that like, really like that's going to hold up. <laughs> yeah. But then I would be like, all right, so Anyone that has daughters out there, like get them private coaches and just, they're going to get paid a lot of money to go be on the golf team or swimming, or whatever it is. If they're good at something, like get them into a school that has football because then they would be getting a whole bunch of money that because the football players are getting it, they would have to get it too. Um, all right. Let's see. Oh, what, what about, um, so yeah, we'll see. I, again, this is just, we, you know, Jen Cohen was expecting stuff changes this summer. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, happening less than a week after we talked to her, like potential major changes to how we look at NIL and compensation and everything because of, uh, you know, state attorney generals and governors and stuff getting involved. So curious to see what happened, but that just was happening this morning. So I thought it would be interesting to kind of talk about that. Um, For USC, anything else on that, Connor, anything you want to bring up or? No, I think the overarching thing is sort of what I've said before. And I just want to clarify, I have been critical of the, NIL set up because I think USC could be more aggressive. They could. But then Tennessee and Florida State take it to the other side of the spectrum and they get stupid aggressive, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you're sort of asking to get in trouble. And I think Tennessee's plan all along, like I'm sure when the Nico thing went through, like they might have been able to talk amongst themselves like, yeah, you know, these probably will get by these rules 
in a court of law. Like, we're probably okay, but I'm sure they expected a lawsuit to come. I'm sure they expected to sue and expected to challenge this when they were challenged. And that is their plan. And I think I'm happy that that's not USC's plan because that feels kind of dangerous to me. Yeah, there and there. I mean, the attorney general had something ready, like fairly quickly. The governor. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. The, the chancellor. The chancellor. Like, boom. Like they knew. Like this was not. Yeah, this. It's feel like they're like they knew this was coming, and here we go. Mm-hmm. So it's been like I think it's pretty obvious. USC is very risk averse, and I think it might be to a fault at some points. And then these schools are the opposite. Nice. Um, oh, we got over 100, 121 people. 121 people, Chris, are watching live now. So we got some more. Chris is still here. Yeah, he's still in the other <laughs> room uh, doing his work. He's like, yay. Um, so there's, you know, we're going to have a recruiting podcast a little bit later on. But uh, now that the staff is set, it just, if you're watching social media stuff at all, there's a lot of tweets and Instagram stories and everything about USC coaching staff out in the world. Um, talking to different prospects and, and making visits and things like that. What's maybe the 35,000 foot level view of it, Connor and uh, Chris and Gerard can kind of get into more of the, the details. It would be nice if the recruiting stuff happened with a snap of the finger and we had another signing day and a, a new class, but we just got to let time go by, let these guys recruit. I forget who pointed it out, but someone on Twitter, it might have been Chris, it might have been someone else, just talked about how Eric Henderson has some really, really good relationships with high school coaches that I think could separate USC from some of these other schools. And I don't know if 2025 signing day this December, 11, 10 months from now, USC is going to be landing five-star defensive linemen or or what exactly that looks like. But I think it's obvious that they're in a much better spot for defensive line recruiting than they were. And I'm sure Eric Henderson's a really great coach as well because look what he did with the Rams and his track record speaks for itself. But right now when there aren't games to be played and it's just winter workouts, nothing really happening on the football field too much, I just logically go to recruiting and it looks like Henderson is going all over the country, talking to a lot of high-profile prospects and if USC with their NIL, that starts to get grooving. I just am excited to see what that 2025 class is going to look like. Because to me, it looks like the defensive staff certainly, I don't want to say like it's been figured out because you got to just see it on yeah. Saturdays. But it certainly looks to me like they're in a better position, at least from a recruiting perspective, a month in than the last staff was. And I think that's really the only logical takeaway you can make like, six weeks to however long all these guys have have been here you, you we can't judge anything on the field but i like what i see on the recruiting trail yeah i'm liking it too and i think what we were hearing behind the scenes when any of those guys were hired you know henderson for sure but there's a lot of positivity of like okay that guy's really really good and where we're you know most times when wherever they left uh they were they were going to be missed, you know, and it was, that was kind of the same thing when U.S. hired Jen Cohen. Like the, all the people I heard from Washington were like bummed because they really liked her. You're hearing, you know, people being bummed about losing these different coaches to USC. So I think that's a positive. It does seem like they're hitting the recruiting trail harder. I think in general, the five loss thing did not sit well with anybody around USC. Uh, in the administration, Lincoln Riley, for sure, sort of let a fire, you know, lit a fire under everybody. I th- and I think you're kind of seeing the collective, not collective, but like, you know, not House Victor collective, but, um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot there. I think people are on the same page of this has got to get a lot better. And is there a quick fix? No, but I think they're doing the right things now. 
And, you know, not getting rid of Alex Grinch last year, I think you're going to set this team back a little bit. But uh, I think having really good coaches in place can fix a lot of things pretty quickly, potentially. You know, we'll see if that potential comes to fruition. My fear with the staff, because they're so young, is if it does go really well, like these guys are just asking to get poached. Like if Danton Lynn has another home run successful season, he's going to be a head coach sooner than later. Maybe USC would get a second year with him. But if it's as good as UCLA last year, I wouldn't be surprised if he is the new hot candidate. And Eric Henderson, maybe it takes a little bit longer with him because he's co-defensive coordinator, probably not going to call the plays, but he's like a younger up-and-coming guy. And Doug Belk, I remember, was a couple cycles ago like this hot assistant, and then Houston sort of struggled. But I could see him going right back to the top. It seems like you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Alabama won all those titles and did so well. And then Nick Saban's replacing his offensive coordinator every year. Of course, you want to be where Alabama is, but we saw this year their offense, they made the playoff, but it wasn't as good as is in years past. And Tommy Reese was that new OC and Georgia had to replace their OC. When you're really good, you, of course, you just take that because you're happy to be really good. I do. I look at like schools like Iowa and Utah, which obviously aren't, at the level of an Alabama or a Georgia, but the sweet spot is kind of that defensive coordinator who's just, they're not going anywhere else. Like yeah. the, the Utah Scally defensive coordinator, the guy at Iowa, they are not going anywhere else. And that unit is going to be good year in and year out. And those schools have their other issues. Don't get me wrong. So it's, it's really interesting to talk about that because I think USC, they're sort of in this spot where it's boom or bust. If it's a boom, it's going to be awesome, but that coach could leave. And if it's, not as good they're probably going to stay but there's a reason they're staying it hasn't been as good and that to me would be a bust so uh, that's going to be fascinating going forward if the defense is really good I've, I'm sure Danton Linney's going to have a lot of opportunities to move on yeah and I don't have an issue with that honestly. No. like USC's DNA is a little different they're going to get the five-star guys when they can they're going to have Cliff Kingsbury's come in for a year or two and be part of the staff and you're not going to get that with like Kyle Whittingham right and nope. uh and Kirk Ferentz you're not doing that they're more of the steady, like that's a, they're more tortoise and USC typically has been a hare. And if you want to try to win a national championship, you probably got to be a hare sometimes. What's amazing about what Nick Saban did is he could keep that going. Yeah. You know, Pete Carroll had a, was burning bright for a while, but then just couldn't get back to that kind of national championship level, even though they were really, really good. He didn't replace assistance. Well, he promoted from within Nick Saban was able to adapt, change his offense, replace assistance replace really effect. I mean, look at his coaching tree. It's freaking insane. The fact that they couldn't even replace him with anybody because his coaches were so successful. Like they couldn't even come back to Alabama. So it was, you know, it's like, oh, Sarkin to co- leave like Texas. He's got this great thing going. Like, would you rather just be the dude at Texas that followed like Tom Herman or whatever? Or do you want to try to follow Nick Saban at Alabama? You know, it's like, it's crazy. The So I feel like that's kind of where you want to be. If you're USC, that's just sort of your DNA. And I'd much rather say a uh, USC's defensive coordinator from last year is now like the head coach of uh, Cal or something. than USC's defensive coordinator of last year is now like defensive back coach for Wisconsin. Like, so I feel like, you'd ra- <laughs> right. Like what, what would you rather have? Um, Good cause, one. Cause if you, <laughs> cause if you, I just made that up. So if you, you know, if your defense coordinator moves on and gets like a head coaching job someplace, it's a more attract like, oh, I want to go there. I want to be the defensive coordinator uh, at USC and and go be a head coach somewhere. So I I feel like you got to get to there and not the like 
we're pushing people out because they're terrible at their jobs. If people leave early, they leave early. You know, it's I think, it's a good problem to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, so he was he was a running backs coach for Indiana, and God, his son played at Sarah High School. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. So Clay, Chris is Chris is yelling at Chris. Dealer McCullough. Yeah. Thank you, Chris, from the next room. I knew he was going to come in with that. So Clay Helton did not have a big Rolodex. Didn't go, you know, wasn't like making weird outside hires or anything. The one time he really did that wasn't like this, you know, I'm familiar with this guy and I don't know that many people hire was Dylan McCullough, who had recruited out of like SEC country to Indiana guys and a couple of guys made it into the league. Like these were like four star dudes from like they were getting recruited by like Georgia and LSU and they end up going to Indiana and USC gets them and his son plays at Sarah. He's really good, you know, coaching the running backs. And then he leaves for, I believe it was the Chiefs um, the next year. And people are like, see, that's why you don't hire like the guys. Like, no, those are exactly the guys you hire. Not everyone's going to leave after a year, but you want to get someone that's going to be successful. Go get, hey, who's a great running back? Like, this guy at Indiana is recruiting from SEC country. Like, he's obviously good. Let's get him. And that was like the one time Clay Helton did that. And I feel like he got gun shy because the guy left after a year. I'm like, no, that's what you want to do. Like you want to get like guys like that. And one of them's not going to leave after a year, you know, if they stay two, three, but they're super successful and they get, they move on to a better gig. That's what you want. Not like guys are just going to stick there forever because they're mediocre. Like you are as a head coach. So. What is nice too about it is if Danton Lynn does leave, I'm sure the whole staff doesn't, go as well. And then you have guys like Matt Entz, who's been a head coach and a defensive coordinator, Doug Belk, who's been a defensive coordinator before, guys who could ideally step in if they want to make an in-house hire. I think too, optically, Ryan, isn't it pretty fascinating, like just looking at it from 10,000 feet, if Danton Lynn is the guy who finally coaches a good defense at a Lincoln Riley coach school, like that kind of, I feel like he's not going to be the head coach at Cal. He's going to either get a premier job in college or maybe even Go to the NFL as if if not a DC a, a head coach because I think that just optically it's Lincoln Riley's a savant on offense the Heisman Trophy quarterbacks everything he does on offense is great but his defenses have historically been bad if Danton Lynn is the guy who can fix Lincoln Riley's defensive philosophy and get USC going in the right direction and just have a defense that people are afraid of. I think that's going to open a ton of doors for him. And how can that not be a good thing? I'm talking about him leaving. If that's the situation, then you're right. You say, hey, open the door for him. Thank you. You helped us. And good luck in the future. Yeah, that's quite the feather in your cap if you're yep, able to exactly. do that. If you're the only guy. Uh, one thing before we take a break, Hugo says, how about the Seahawks hire? I have not. I have, did I, I missed this, I guess. I, don't know. I think it was the Ravens defensive coordinator. Oh, okay. I think I saw something like that. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald. Okay. Um, I don't know much about him. Did you know anything? He's from Boston, 36 years old, so I like him. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know much about him either. I, maybe during the break I can look up um, some So stuff. we still have one more, uh, one more NFL job, right? Yeah, Commanders. The Commanders are still going. So it does look like your boy Bill Belichick will get that one, right? I think he's going to be on his ass this year. Yeah, that's okay. I mean... I guess I'm bummed. Year. I I want I want him to be in the league. The the I hot rumor right now, Ryan, is if Andy Reid retires, Bill Belichick will take over there. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean he's really known for his offensive philosophy. But that but stuff. when you have Mahomes, just let him do his thing and keep the defense rolling. That's true, I yeah. agree, it's crazy. 
A uh, little pretty nuts. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. Before we do that, if you're watching on YouTube, this comment from uh, Clayton is too good not to use as our screenshot. So I think if you want to point down, yeah, that's good. Sweet. We need a little screenshot there. Um, his, If you're listening on the podcast, if you don't remember what he said, he says, the way to get around Title IX is to grow more pot and sell moonshine. So. <laughs> Because I, I made a couple analogies with pot and moonshine. Because, of course, that's the kind of stuff that I do. Because um, I don't know why, but that's just what I do. Okay, so why don't we do this? We'll take a quick break, come back, and answer some of your questions. If you're watching live on YouTube and you have a question in the chat, just put question in the front, and I will do my best to uh, pull it up on the screen and answer it. So back in a minute, everybody. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All righty. We're back here on the Bear Style Podcast. What's up, Connor? Do you have a good break? Yeah, so a couple things with Mike McDonald. Okay. People in the YouTube chat are concerned that, that because the he's screen. the Ravens defensive coordinator and Danton Lynn was in Baltimore that him leaving could mean Danton Lynn takes the Baltimore job now. I don't see that happening, but a little, yeah, I, I get the link. I, I don't think that uh, he's ready quite yet, but we'll, we'll see. And then Mike McDonald was the Michigan defensive coordinator in 2021, so there's a prime example of a really good college team overcoming the loss of their hot coordinator and a couple of years later winning a national title. So I am talking about how the USC staff doing a really good job could lead to them leaving, and I'm sort of painting it in a bad light, but you're absolutely right. It's That's a good thing because that means they did a good job, and right now at USC defensively doing a good job, that's huge. Uh, for work says, if they make a run at Lynn, we should go after Vrabel or uh, Belichick as a replacement. That'd be awesome if Bill oh, Belichick is the If Bill player. Belichick talked to us Tuesdays after practice every week, I'd, I'd turn in my paycheck to you. I'd do it for free. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'm going to try to make that happen. <laughs> That's free labor. I love that. Yep. You heard it here first. <laughs> he ends up coming in. Um, oh, that would be great. Uh, yeah. I We'll see. I mean... With Denton Lynn, uh, but you know, would Michigan, 
when coached by Jim Harbaugh and Baltimore, John Harbaugh, they had a, a really kind of a symbiotic relationship yeah. where they were feeding coaches back and forth where you could like, Hey, I need to get this guy some seasoning. He comes to Michigan or, Hey, this guy can get a, you know, at the Baltimore level, he's like, Hey, we want to get, you know, he can go from a DB coach to a DC or whatever. We're going to move him up to Michigan. And i uh, curious to see if that still happens and if the chargers are involved um, and if other schools kind of do that, where you sort of work with, uh, you have a close friend that's an NFL coach in this case, they're brothers, but, um, and maybe it, you know, to feed coaches back and forth, like who knows, maybe Lincoln Riley and Sean McVay, like, um, you know, Henderson was part of that. Like that, that'd be kind of interesting if you could do things like that, um, work with the college and, and, you know, it can be a good relationship for both where you're helping coaches kind of go back and forth. Um, it, it seemed to work really well for Michigan and Baltimore. And then, you know, Danton Lennon's up coming to, to UCLA uh, and kind of do that there. So that was kind of interesting. I do wonder if Danton Lynn was still at UCLA, say USC did hire Jim Leonard, and now we see the Michigan job could be open. I don't know exactly what's going to happen with their defensive coordinator. Has he said if he's leaving or not? I probably should know that for sure but Baltimore their defensive coordinator's job's open I, I I think that's still probably a step too far I wonder what looks he would get though if he hadn't just taken this USC job yeah uh Mi- Michigan's defensive coordinator is, and strength coach are is okay going yeah the so then that's two openings mentor is it mentor? yeah Jesse mentor yeah that's two openings that you know, where Lynn would would potentially make a lot of sense based on uh, what he did at UCLA and then his connections to Baltimore either way though I he strikes me as a guy who like it's kind of career suicide if you go burn USC and then do terrible <clears throat> Cliff Kingsbury. I guess it's not career suicide for him because he did that to USC and came back. So maybe I'm wrong on that. But you know what I mean? I feel like that's tough to to overcome if it did go really south. He, he, you want to give Lincoln Riley your word and at least be here for one year. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's. We have a voicemail. Uh, it was about the uh, interview we did last week with uh, Jennifer Cohen, USC's athletic director and NIL. So let me play it for you guys. Yeah, uh, hi. Uh, watch your shows all the time. Even I even started watching Triple Double. I just watched your uh, podcast with Jen Cohen, and I want to comment uh, regarding NIL about uh, what uh, J.R. Abadia said. Um, kind of unbelievable. Uh, she wants the USC to play by the rules until the feckless uh, NCAA gets their their stuff together and we turn a corner. There will be no corner. Corner will never be turned. It will do nothing. You hire a coach for a lot of money, a good coach. He's coaching with one hand tied behind his back. And as far as, uh, couldn't believe this comment, as far as USC should be content with watching enjoyable football, uh, no, they won't be content with that. You want Pac-12 championship or Big Ten championships, you want the playoffs. You want championships. If you want enjoyable football, go cover Cal. And uh, so that's my comment. I love it. I agree with everything. Yeah, it's RJ. That's my kind JR. of call. Yeah, not JR, but yeah, that's right. RJ. That that caller, uh, what was his name? I agree. Yeah, I th- I think it was a little bit out of context too, from what he was talking about that don't be just doom and gloom, but you, I do want to see USC push the envelope a little more, especially now with the, you know, but I think, I think USC was basically waiting for Congress or 
attorney generals or whatever to sort of like make it so it's an even playing field instead of like, okay, we're just going to go do, you know, push the, push the limits a little bit on things. USC's really been conservative about that and uh, they want to do it the right way and all those kind of things. So I get it. Um, but that might be changing now. I don't know. We'll see. But I like that call. We're not here for enjoyable football. We're here for championships, baby. I agree. Yeah. No, that's that's what you want. And uh, I think that's what people were thinking in year one of Lincoln Riley. And then year two, it's sort of like, okay, now what? Now where are we going? So um, Corbin says Cal is not enjoyable football. Right. Yes. I kind of feel like for some games this year it was. Expectations for them were down. They, they had were. a young quarterback who kind of surprised people who I liked watching that Mendoza kid. Mendoza was good. Yeah. Jay Knott was fun to watch, but I mean, all their games weren't enjoyable. That's for sure. They got shellacked in their bowl. Yeah. And RJ went to Stanford, so he's probably not going to cover Cal, but that's all right. He's just a SoCal guy. Loves the Dodgers and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, let's see. We got a couple emails. Let me get to one of these. Oh, first of all, oh, and I should have done this at the beginning and my apologies. I want to give a shout out, a uh, buddy of mine, Scott, on the message board. He's a big, big USC guy. I, my mom was in town, and we went up to uh, Hennessy's up at the rooftop there. It's a great view in Hermosa Beach of like the strand and the, the ocean and the sand and the volleyball courts and all that. So I go up there, and then Scott's there with his family, lovely family, and says hello. And um, Aaron, his son Aaron, is uh, probably like seven or something, big fan listen to the podcast and I gave him Ooh. like the I gave him the hello Trojan fans and he was like <laughs> so Scott was telling him like no this is the guy from the podcast and his eyes were like what and I did hello Trojan fans and he was just like they kept coming over and talking to me and stuff so I just want to give a little shout out um so uh he was a super cute kid and uh, was really big into USC and sports and football and all that kind of stuff so Shout out to Aaron. Hello, Trojan fans. Yes, there you uh, go. I'm not. I can't do it. Can't hold. Can't hold a candle to yours. Your Ryan, voice is better sure. though. I like it. No, no. Um, Frank in Sacramento. His uh, non-question question. Ryan. So was Colin Coward right when he said USC should have hired Jed Fish three years ago? Lincoln Riley's tremendous, but we all laughed at the fish idea in 2021. Uh, yeah. <sighs> No, I don't think so. I don't think that would have been... Well, Jed Fish, when he was hired at Arizona, got so much crap from people from all over the place. And now, it obviously, it looks like it wasn't warranted. But imagine how much crap he would have gotten if he was hired at USC. And I think the crap meter when you're hired at Arizona is one thing. You can overcome that. But when you're... Like, people already hate you before you've even coached a game at USC when a lot of people already hate you for a whole bunch of other reasons. I just wonder if he could overcome all that negativity people were pissed when he got hired at arizona because he hadn't really done a whole lot consistently he'd bounced around a lot a lot about he he was at the patriots for for a year and he he had a good resume but the results weren't necessarily there if he got hired at usc people would have doubted him from the jump and i didn't i don't know if he would have been able to overcome that yeah and it's tough i mean even going to washington uh there's a lot of you know how he left you had a really pissed off Arizona booster that was overpaying like Fafita and T-Mac to stay at Arizona just so fish couldn't bring them to Washington. That's how pissed off they were. Uh, a lot of people uh, criticize, you know, critiquing the handling of the Jaden Delora thing. He goes to Texas state until he doesn't. And the players, I mean the, the students show, you know, they're going to protest and the coach that brought him there had left. And then he ends up, you know, not enrolling anymore. And 
fish let him stay on the team, you know? And so there's a lot of criticism going on there. Uh, I mean, Washington, I feel like Jed Fish needed to bring like the core pieces from Arizona to Washington. And he brought some, but not all. And not like Fafita and T-Mac, like some of the big ones. One of the offensive linemen stayed. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm i curious what Washington fans have to say about the fish hire. Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, and I, I think it's a I think it's a tough one for him. I think Kalen DeBoer, I think, is a great coach, but coming into that situation, it looks like it's going to be really tough. Uh, you know, in Tuscaloosa at Alabama, and Brett Brennan might be in a better spot. Like Arizona was poised to do pretty well this year; they kept a lot of their guys. You know, they lost some too, and uh, who's you know who knows? We'll see. You know, maybe they're going to have a, a better year than that we think. Like they. I think if Jed Fish stays, they could have won the Big 12 potentially. Um, I don't know if they can now, but I, th- I think I like Brett Brennan's situation more than Kalen DeBoer in Alabama. You know, you're in Alabama, so it's like that's a great situation. But just for like this coming year, it's, I think it's going to be tough. And I think it's going to be kind of tough for Jed Fish too. You're going to Washington. You lost a ton from Washington's roster last year. You didn't get to bring everybody over, and you're going to the Big 10. So I think that's going to be a tough spot for Jed Fish. Ryan, I got to push back on that. Alabama's in a better spot than Arizona. Well, I mean, it's like, you, yes. I mean, you're Alabama If, if you draft both rosters, maybe T-Mac goes first overall, but then it's Alabama guy, Alabama guy, Alabama guy. Like, Arizona has some talent, but Alabama still has a lot of talent, too, even though they have lost some guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if Alabama played Arizona, Alabama would win. But comparatively to like Arizona could still like win the big 12, which I'm not sure Alabama's going to be able to win the sec next year, you know, um, just situationally like that. Not. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, you're right. Like Alabama's a better team, just like the situation you're in and what the expectations are. I think Brett Brennan's probably, well, aren't the expectations kind of high at Arizona with Noah and T-Mac coming back? They, yeah. Not as high as like Alabama, like where you, every third year you win a national championship kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that ends up going. It's going to be a fascinating year. I oh wish, my wish the season was here already. I know. It's going to be so like just new, you know, uh, Texas going to Mississippi state. I don't know if they're playing that, but you know, things like that. You're like, what? Like what's going on here? Um, you know, USC playing at Maryland. I mean, who wants to go there? Like what? Not I'm me. Just, yeah. No, just kidding. That's a, that's just a, a shot at Chris. Who's in the other room. I am very excited for that um, that trip, to be honest. My sister lives in Alexandria, Virginia, so I'll probably go see her. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Mark had, his, he said, suggestion or question for Jen Cohen. So Jen's not here anymore, but we'll read this. We'll anyway. pass it along. Yeah. Uh, since game times for college football are driven by the networks, a special problem for USC and all the other West Coast schools, is there any consideration or pushback by the administration that prioritize prioritizes the stadium attending fan versus the needs of the network. Nope. All about TV. Yeah. It's a hundred percent about TV. Well, I doubt that she will address that directly. I still think it may be an interesting response. Um, yeah. It's, it's it, unfortunate, but no. Yeah. It's just really not like the, the, it used to be what you made at the, you know, at the gate was selling tickets and merchandise and concessions and all that was, I mean, it's not insignificant, but compared to what the TV, you know, numbers are, it is. So, like, 
Would you rather say, well, we're going to take $20 million less and then we're going to like make sure that, you know, we get 3 p.m. kickoff times. Like, I don't think any schools are going to do that. So I, yes, I, I, I don't think your uh, tailgate party is the biggest concern or anywhere near the biggest concern when it comes to that kind of stuff. I feel for the fans, but it's just not the way it works. It's all about TV. I mean, freaking USC played at Colorado at 9 a.m. <laughs> I still have nightmares <laughs> about just that early wake up in that beautiful Airbnb we had, Ryan and Chris. I, I did enjoy that place, but like, what the heck? We're waking up at 5 a.m. for a freaking football game? I'm, I, usually I do that to watch the Premier League, not college football. So that just kind of shows you just how it is. Like, if USC, is, uh, uh, they were ranked at the time, is playing Colorado at 9 a.m., like, they don't give a crap about the fans. Yeah, 100%. That's more about we're going to get you in this TV window and everything else be damned. So sorry about that, but that's where we are. Got a few YouTube questions and we'll get out of here. Blackie Chan says, uh, there is a certain college analyst that says USC's issue on defense is more uh, philosophical than scheme. What do you think of that? I don't know if I'm familiar with the analyst. Bruce Feldman has talked a little bit about that, but is that maybe we'll ask Blackie to uh, Blackie Chan to <laughs> uh, clarify. I'm not sure who he's talking about, but so I I feel like if you're thinking this is just the way Lincoln Riley is, and if you're not going to practice a certain way, maybe that's the way he was, and you know he hasn't been a head coach that long. You know, it's only been two years at USC, six or whatever it was at Oklahoma. And maybe that's just the way he has done things. But I would say the way he's acted this offseason with the hires he's made, I would kind of push back on that saying like, well, if that's what you, if that's your philosophy, you're probably not bringing in these guys. Like if anything, if, if that was his philosophy, it seems like he's probably changing some of that um, by the guys that they've brought in and the way that, you know, the way they're addressing the defensive side of the ball. That would just be my take. I agree, and I, I I would need more context to that question. Yeah, um, you can say analyst names. We don't care. Let's see. We got uh, Corbin with several tough games looming on the schedule. Uh, what does the uh, Mina Hoops team? Oh, I think it means men's hoops team need to do in order to be five hundred or better on the regular season. Does that really matter? Because like you're not going to make the tournament unless you win like the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, right? it doesn't really matter because Just to have a winning it, it's record. all about the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, get healthy first and foremost, and then just get better. I mean, the guys who USC fans maybe weren't relying on to be big-time players this year, like a Harrison Hornery or a Kajani Wright or just some of the guys maybe in the background, like you just need more from – those guys, they're not even giving you what people thought, which would be just meaningful minutes off the bench. They're not giving you a whole lot. And you got to get healthy with Isaiah Collier and, and Boogie. And once they're good to go, hopefully that can give you a shot in the arm. But the whole team could improve. It, it, it's not just about one or two guys. Yeah, and I, I mean, I get it. There's been a bunch of injuries. But they were pretty much sucking before there were injuries, right? Like they're Yeah, the only time playing. that wasn't true was Kansas State, like the first game of the year, and then it kind of all went to crap. Yeah, it's just <laughs> – I mean, I've been to a bunch of games, and even when they've won, it's not like, you're like, wow, these guys are playing really well. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, it's a disappointing year. 
And I, I always kind of push back. Like Shotgun definitely likes pushing basketball coverage and stuff, and it's great. And you guys do your own. Did our show today. Check yeah, it out. Triple Double show. Podcast. Triple it's double. already up. Already on all of the platforms. Triple Double Podcast. So if you want more basketball talk, there you go. Yeah, you can get it there. But man, it's just like it's just disappointing, you know. Like you have, I just feel like you have way too many good players to not be this to to be this bad. You guys were talking preseason about what's elite eight. That's what I said. Yeah, like they should Idiot. be at least at least <laughs> final. I mean, Sweet Sixteen. You know, maybe Elite Eight. Like that would be a successful season. It's like now you're fighting for five hundred and not going to make the tournament. Like holy cow! Like, I, I do think in hindsight, the two transfers they lost have been massively important and i totally overlooked that losing Reese sticks and waters to san diego state no one has replaced him and no one's replaced trey white the guy who left for for louisville if you had both those guys i think it's at least a little bit better if not a lot better and they are two really good college players and right now you just don't have a lot of really good college players on your team so my bad for overlooking that we got uh lamont uh, why are SC fans so scared of the Big Ten teams? Besides Michigan and Ohio State, there are no other teams that make me shake when I hear they are on the schedule. The one thing to worry about is weather. Yeah, you know, like, I I think there could be a collective, um, again, not NIL <laughs> collective, uh, it's sort of like the body blow theory, like maybe it's a different style of football that you're playing someone that's like a less talented Utah like two or three weeks in a row and you, maybe you win those games, but you're a little bit more beat up than you were if you were playing like Cal and Washington state or something like maybe. Um, but even Michigan next year, like they might take a significant step back, you know, uh, USC doesn't play Oregon. USC plays Washington and they're probably taking a significant step back. Uh, we'll see what LSU is like. They're going to have a lot of talent, but yeah, I'm not, I mean, I, yeah, I think that like it's somewhat manageable, and if USC's still really good on offense, like they can be, and much improved on defense, like they're going to cause a lot of people problems. Um, I mean, what we saw in the Holiday Bowl gave a pretty good Louisville defense a lot of problems, and I, you know, if you can do that throughout a Big Ten schedule, I, yeah, I don't see why you'd be like, oh my god, this is going to be terrible. Like, no, I mean it's just same kind of stuff, but there's some. There's just more blue bloods around, and that that gets you more excitement. Like you rather going to play Oregon's one thing, go to play Michigan something else. You know, like that's pretty cool. I just wonder about the consistency. Like, is USC next season going to be consistent enough to beat Wisconsin, and then at Minnesota, at Maryland, Rutgers, Nebraska? Those are teams that on paper you probably should beat, and those are the easier teams in the conference, but. Based on what we saw this past season, I know it's a lot different this year, but based on what happened last year, how can you confidently say, like, okay, USC is going to have no problem with those teams when they've had problems with freaking Cal? Yeah. All right. Uh, we got, oh, Chris in uh, chat. You know, you've heard of him, Chris Trevino. He's in, the, he's in the other room. Take it or leave it. USC beats both Washington and Michigan next year. Leave it. I don't think they're going to win at Michigan, even with all their changes. Interesting. I mean, just to be different, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I think both teams are going to take significant steps back, replacing your national championship winning or making head coach. Uh, and Michigan's going to replace a lot. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Why not? 
who cares, you know? They're losing a ton of guys, but I still believe in that program, and I think Sharon Moore has got him going. But we'll see who who the heck will be the quarterback. Sharon Moore's young; he hasn't, you know, been a coordinator very long. So, like, you know, but he he, he does have a win over Ohio State. He was the head coach when they beat Ohio State, so pretty cool. Plus, some breaks just with the Trader Joe's have picked up some coffee bean blast ice cream, ooh, and the Connor Moore set recommended seafood blend. I think that was RJ. That was RJ. RJ recommended that. But but thank you for thinking of me. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you went and checked it out. Uh, I think we got one more. Eric Hyde, Sir Eric of Troy. If Jen Cohen is on Reggie's side about the Heisman, why can't uh, they put the jersey back in the collie um, and fight the rest later? Doesn't she have that control? I wish I asked her a follow-up about that because it sounded like she was like, yeah, we totally can. And then didn't really... Say anything yeah, else. I put something in the. I got to remember. I put something in the war room, kind of a while back, talking to somebody. There was plans to actually have this done, and there was something that came up, and I don't remember exactly what it was. I'll have to go back and look. Um, but the good thing is, like you said, USC is kind of on board there. I think if everything was in their control, it would be done. I think there's some things that might not be in their control with that, so. Um, but I'll go back and look. I don't even remember what I wrote in the war room a while back, but I'm, you know, these kind of things don't concern me all that much, but some fans kind of get really riled up about it. I want to know what's going on with Reggie. Um, I think Reggie hasn't helped himself either throughout this process. I think, uh, you know, there could be some contrition there. I think, yeah, he could have done some things, said some things to, to make this go smoother and, I don't think he has, so we'll see. But he's uh, not an easy guy to get a hold of. You know, he got, you got to go through his people and all this stuff. But I think this is eventually going to get done. But it just might not be super quick. But thanks, Sir Eric of Troy, for putting that in there. It was close to happening, and then it kind of fell through at one point, right? Yeah, like there was there was plans and play like from the previous administration. Like it was getting close, and I don't remember because exactly it's such it an easy PR win. So. I- that makes me think – I wouldn't be surprised if Reggie is kind of like – well, he said it too when I was at his press conference. He he wants both things to happen where he gets the Heisman and he – like he doesn't want one without the other. Where just kinda, celebrate the wins, man. I kind of think that's part of it. Yeah. So it's more on the Reggie side than anything. Um, but whatever. We'll see. I think It's just one of those things like eventually it's going to work itself out and it'll be there. We're just not there. It's kind of like the – the NIL stuff and you know, we're in surrogate purgatory. We're eventually going to get there where it's like stable, I think. And uh, it's just the way things are right now. It's just the rules are changing every day. And uh, that's kind of the place we're in. All right. Well, I think it's going to wrap things up. Um, we do appreciate everyone uh, tuning in uh, live on our YouTube channel. We are almost to 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. So if you're watching and not a subscriber, please hit that subscribe button. We love that. And uh, please, before you go, hit the like button. It's completely free and we, you know, kind of helps push up those videos on the channel. But it's cool. Like, I remember when we crossed the 10,000 subscriber uh, threshold on YouTube and now we're we're pushing 20,000. So thank you. Tell a friend or whatever. Share share the uh, video you got. Yeah, share it with a USC fan, you know, and have them subscribe. That'd be cool. Very cool. And like I said, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We love that. As well, we love everyone listening across all the different platforms. It's a lot of fun to kind of reach out and, you know, get to know some of the (laughs) the people out there. Listen to us. Talk about USC football. 
at the end of January. I cannot believe it's January 31st, which is kind of crazy. But uh, so we got next week, we got signing day, right? Or is, there, or is that the week after? Uh, it's usually that first Wednesday, but it's so. Um, What's the calendar like here? It's just like so insignificant now because of the yeah, early the signing seventh. day. So a week from today. So we will be. Uh, most... I thought it was Wednesday. It's oh, today is Wednesday. I'm all over the place. Yeah, yeah the Wednesday is the seventh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Don't, don't so, listen to me. Brain fart there. Yeah. Try not to listen to Connor. You <laughs> know we're on a podcast, and the point is you're listening to him. I was looking at January. I thought I was looking at February. So the the uh, the state attorney general for Tennessee, like they put a deadline of February sixth, which is like the day before signing day. So anyway, but. We will probably have some kind of show next week, maybe after signing day. We'll have to figure out the logistics of that. But we will be, they always have, or they usually have a a live press conference on campus. We get to hear from Lincoln Riley. Assume that's going to happen, even though there's probably not going to be a lot going on for USC on the uh, signing signing day deal. Um, But yeah, we'll, we'll keep you kind of abreast of what's going on. But that's kind of the big thing that's happening next week is, uh, is the uh, second day, you know, the regular, the more traditional signing day, signing period starts. So that's going to wrap up our show for Connor Morissette. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will talk to you next time. All right, we have 30 seconds. Great, let's mention the cool new products at your neighborhood Trader Joe's. We don't have enough time for all those. Or we could talk about the crew. We love the crew. That we could have customers tell us about their new Trader Joe's recipes. Did I mention we have 30 seconds? See, this is why we have a podcast called Inside Trader Joe's, so that we have time to talk about all of those things. 30 seconds is up. Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts, like this one. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 